You're listening to the official podcast of Church Untitled, located in downtown Vancouver. We are a community set apart to bear His name, in our city, for His glory. We hope that you're blessed and enriched by this message. But just even before we get in there, uh, how many of you started your fast before today? Okay, how many of you are fasting starting today? And I'm not talking about the style. I'm just saying however the Lord has called you to fast. Great. A couple, uh, couple of practicals on that. Just felt to share this uh, just because of time and experience doing this. Um, if you haven't already, so that your fasting doesn't, you know, the attention doesn't get shifted, set up intentional times to meet with God. Have that preset. Okay? I'm going to just go through four things quickly. Is that okay? Set up intentional times to be with God over this course of fasting, okay? Don't just wing it, like just go without eating because that's a hunger strike. That really doesn't move heaven or do anything, right? The whole purpose of fasting is as we connect to God through prayer, we disconnect with everything else, but we feast on his words. We feast on Jesus. Does that make sense? So it's not just, I didn't eat. That does not move heaven, trust me. So make sure you get intentional times to feast on God's word, to feast on Jesus. Second thing is, if you haven't yet done this, I know it sounds very practical and spiritual. If you don't know what to read, get a reading plan. Just get a reading plan. I know it didn't originate with you. That's okay. Just get exposed to the word and begin to feast on it. And the Holy Spirit will begin to breathe. Okay. Genesis 1. You guys remember that. The Holy Spirit was hovering over what was dark formless and void. He was there, but nothing happened until the word was spoken, right? So nothing will happen in here unless the word comes inside. Does that make sense? We're good to go. Number three, determine in advance what fast you're going to do so the focus is in communion with God. You don't want to be trying to say, should I have the naked juice or should I have coconut water? You don't want to spend 21 days doing that. Does that make sense? Should I have like the wrap or should I do the rice? Which one is, okay, let me go online. Just determine that in advance so that your heart and your mind can just go to him. Does that make sense? So don't, don't waste time trying to, is okay, should I do this or should I do that? Set your heart in advance because that will make things easier and allow the focus to be where it needs to be. Next thing is be careful with your body and take slow steps, right? Drink plenty of water and spend time worshiping and adoring Jesus, okay? A couple of simple tips. If you don't have time to read sometimes, get the audio Bible. There's a great app called Dwell, all these things. Hear the word, hear the word, you know, just find ways to get the word in. You, sometimes you can't, you know, you're, you're commuting, you're walking, you're driving, you can't crack it open. Get an audio Bible, get something where you can at least get intake. Does that make sense? Okay, we're good to go. That's some practicals. Okay. Back to what we were talking about. Fasting. Okay. So we're in Matthew 9. I just want to talk about two definitions because fasting, uh, like I was saying, is not unique to the Christian faith, but it is unique in the Christian faith, right? Because we serve a God who lives, right? We serve a God who answers. Psalm 65, 2, it says, it talks about prayer. It says, talks about God and it says that all men shall come to him because he's a God who answers prayer, right? So this is something that's very important to note. From the Old Testament, the word is soom, T-S-O-W-M, and it just simply means abstaining from food and water for a spiritual purpose. 
The Greek word is nesteo. It's the same thing. So there are many different reasons people fasted in the scriptures, but I just wanted to paint that picture that from the old covenant to the new, fasting has been there. And the amazing thing is God has always responded to it when it's done right. It has an amazing way of God having his way in us and God doing things in our hearts. But today, I really want to spend time talking about our heart posture in fasting, okay? There's a lot that can be said about fasting, trust me. But today, I really want to talk about the heart posture in fasting and having the right heart when we fast, okay? And this is what Matthew 9 says. I'm reading from verse 14. And I didn't bring this big Bible to intimidate you. It's my, the Bible I use at home, but I left my small Bible that I brought last week. And this is what I have to work with. But verse 14, are you guys there? Yep. Awesome. It says, Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. As I said earlier, when you read the scope of Scripture, when you look at Scripture from beginning to end, you will find that there are people who fasted for many different reasons, okay? We have the Esther fast, you know, there was no food, no water, and they fasted because there was a genocide about to happen. I mean, there's about to be, I mean, a wiping out of a whole race. So they appealed to God through prayer and fasting, and God worked wonders in that he preserved his people. There's a fast done by Ezra when God was calling them to rebuild the temple and to go back and begin to build God's house, and he fasted for safety, right? Moving on to the New Testament, just for a few examples, in Acts chapter 9, we hear of a man named Saul, who later became Paul, who ended up fasting because he had an encounter with Jesus. And it says for three days, he did not eat or drink, and he was praying. God was about to form and fashion his destiny, but he went into seek mode. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I have a stirring in my heart to just seek God because of circumstances that come upon my life. But beyond that, there's a deeper place even in the place of fasting, right? So from scripture, what I'm just trying to paint a picture here about is this. In the scripture, you will find that there's some who fasted by design. I'll give you an example. Jesus, if you're taking notes, Matthew 4, 1, right? God led Jesus by the Spirit into the wilderness. There are seasons that will come upon your life where you will feel led into a fast. There are people who fast by discipline, right? We find that here in this passage um, because the disciples of John were fasting by discipline. A lot of scholars say they used to fight uh, fast about twice a week, right? And then there's also fasting. Let me just find it here. 
fasting by desire, which is by far the greatest. And this is what I'm here to really talk about. Here, Jesus is asked about fasting by a group of religious people and another group, which is not so much religious, but they were disciples of John. And they're asking him this specific question about fasting. And one thing you'll notice that's amazing about this passage is the things that Jesus talks about in conjunction with fasting, the language he uses around fasting. And as it was when Jesus came into the world, he came to give us a clearer picture of God. Does that make sense? There were things that were done from the beginning when God was revealed up until this point that people had not yet fully understood. But Jesus came to draw a clearer picture. I'll give you an example. You guys know the Sermon on the Mount, right? Matthew 5, 6, bleeds into 7. Jesus is recounting the law and actually raising the bar and showing the intent of God's heart when it came to the law. In the same way, what Jesus is doing here through this passage that I hope we see is he's redefining the reason people fasted. Where am I seeing that? I already explained to you why people fasted in the past, but here notice that he says that how can people fast when the bridegroom is with them? Jesus could have said when the King of Kings is with them, when the Lord of Lords is with them, the creator of the heavens and the earth. But look at the language he uses. A bridegroom has, what's the counterpart of a bridegroom? A bride. So I want you to notice even just from this passage that fasting when fueled by desire is a matter of intimate communion with God. You can fast for things, you can fast for breakthrough, but I'll show you a better way. Fasting out of desire for God. Because what happens is when there's a fasting that stems out of love for God and desire for God, that is a prophetic declaration of how everything is going to end. You guys have read the last book in the Bible, right? The Bible says when it's all said and done, the spirit and the bride will say what? Come. The word for that is Maranatha. And how many of you know that for those who are intimately walking with Jesus now, there is a Maranatha cry in your heart? There's a Maranatha cry in each and every one of our hearts. When we understand that God is after connection, God is after our hearts connecting with his and his heart connecting with us, the whole fasting thing is demystified. Because then you realize you're not Rambo or you're not a hero because you did a 10-day water fast, right? You don't want to draw pride from all those different things. But the reason Jesus says, if you flip back just with me real quick to Matthew 6, the reason Jesus says these things are about fasting is because it's very easy when we begin to fast for pride to slip in, self-righteousness to slip in. But these in and of themselves are not the aim or the goal of fasting, right? God didn't ask us to fast so people can be impressed by our spirituality. He asked us to fast because we need him and he longs to give himself to us. And there's this beautiful exchange that is about connection. Does that make sense? So this is what Jesus says about fasting. And notice he says when, not if. And when you fast, verse 16, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Someone say others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face 
that your fasting may not be done by others, but by uh, may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. Say secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay. Fasting is about connection with God. There's actually a powerful word I have for this, and I'm just going to quickly put it up here so you guys can see it. It's a bit of a funny word, but I want you to understand understand it. I don't know if you guys can see it. Can you guys see it? Okay. So this word is very interesting. I'm just going to wrap around over here. I hope I'm not blocking anybody. It's koinonia. Someone read 1 John 1, uh, 1 John 1 verses 1 through 4 for us. You guys know I'm interactive, so you need to get in your word. If you're sitting on the front row, I'm coming after you. So you may want to think about where you want to sit moving forward. But 1 John 1 verses 1 through 4, you've got it? All right. Oh, uh, yeah. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full that your joy may be full. When we look at English, the word fellowship is not deep enough. Fellowship means, hey, buddy, hey, Pedro, like we're fellowshipping, or if that's even a word. But notice, notice what the definition here is. The word is koinonia. And look what it means. It means fellowship, association, community, communion, joint participation. And what's that word at the end? Okay. What is the second definition? The share, the share which one has in anything. Okay. What's mine is yours and what's yours is? This is God's intent for us. God has given everything that he has in his son. And now he's asking you, will you give everything that you are back to him? That's where true fellowship happens. Fellowship does not happen where I give God part. He's given me all. We won't really enjoy full fellowship. But the Bible says here through this word, it implies that there is a fellowship that God desires to have with us. And he took the first step. Okay. He showed his intent. But now he says, what's mine is yours. Now let everything that is yours be mine. Because what God longs to do in this city, in your life, for all eternity, is to find the people he can be one with and express himself through. I'll give you an example. Okay? Jesus. Jesus, in John 17, says that he was one with the Father. Right? And he prayed that the church would be one just as he and the Father were what? One. Okay? So Jesus was saying he was connected to the Father. Do you guys remember the passage where Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father do? The only way he could see and know what the Father was doing was because he was connected to the Father. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, talks about how God has spoken since the beginning of time to man. His intent has been to speak to, to us, to speak to us. But then it says in verse 3 that for he, the Son, is the radiance of God's glory, 
the exact representation of his being. He is the exact imprint. And the reason he was the exact imprint was not because he went into a copier, but because he was connected so much with God that everything about himself was in line with God. Does that make sense? When he read that passage about 1 John, notice that it touches the sensual realm. It touches every realm of who we are, the fellowship with this eternal life. And this is what Jesus wanted and what he still wants today. How many of you know that when Jesus was whipping people out of the temple, that he was perfectly in the will of God, that he was expressing the exact emotion of the Father? In this way, God wants us to be united with him so that he could be expressed through us. Indeed, that's the only way we can express God is if we're connected to him. Otherwise, we begin to express other things that are not him. Does that make sense? Now, let me just throw this aside in there as a nugget. Jesus was the exact imprint of the Father. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit is an exact imprint of Jesus. Do you remember the passage that speaks about the paraclete? The other name for the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, meaning he's just like Jesus. And remember last week I gave you the example of the Godhead, right? I was explaining to you, and just for sake of time, I'm going to land this here soon. Ryan, if you could come in. It was Andrew, right? Yeah. I explained to you how the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in fellowship. This, what we're talking about. There was koinonia between them. We were disjoint, disjoint from God. Like this, We were just completely out. We were not living for God, in sin, divorced from God, not reflecting God, not being his image. We were there. This is what Jesus did when he came, died, laid himself down, is he came and he got us, washed us, cleansed us, and he began to reform that image in us, new creation, and he brought us here, just come with me, into that fellowship, okay? And now it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but now we're in the midst if we're connected with him. And what they used to talk about, what they used to share, guess who now has ears for that? We do. Thanks, guys. First Corinthians 2. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the minds of men what God has prepared for those who love him. So koinonia, guys, is what fasting is all about. It's all about connection. It's not about, oh, hey, guys, like, you know, I'm doing water, I'm doing liquids. Well, there's different fasts, yes, but the heart of it is what I'm getting at. You guys tracking? Okay, let's keep moving. The other definitions, obviously, intercourse, fellowship, intimacy. This is like man and wife, right? The right hand as a sign of a pledge of fellowship in fulfilling the apostolic office. And then look at this, which is really cool. You guys know why we give on Sundays. Has anyone ever thought that's weird? Right? Sometimes, just be honest, right? The bucket gets weird sometimes and people go, I don't know why churches do this. But that's a sign of koinonia, when you're willing to put your money where your mouth is and where your life is. That's a sign of what your labor and your efforts and everything you've poured yourself into. So when you give, that monetary value is not just money. There's effort and earning and everything that's gone in there. And Paul was saying, when you give to each other, you are doing this, koinonia, right? That's just an aside, okay? We're tracking, we're good? Okay, is this helping anyone? Okay, so fasting is not about how cool you are because you did distilled water fasting and you're doing a 10-day. 
Fasting is about, <laughs> it's like it's a great idea. But fasting is about connection with God. Someone say connection. And by default, when you want to connect with God, a few things have to happen. Okay, let's quickly go to James and then we're going to hop into Daniel really quickly. Just James 4. All right, so James 4, we'll be reading from verse 4, okay? This is the Apostle James speaking to the church because he wants to show them that friendship with God looks like something. It's not just some ethereal idea, but he wants to bring the church into this place of greater connection with God. And he begins to show them the things that hinder that connection with God. How many of you desire true connection with God? How many of you want to know his heart for you and for this city and for others? Yeah, but that calls for something, right? And this is what James is trying to say, right? And I know the word may seem a bit harsh, but just bear with me because he's going somewhere, okay? He says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, you know, they always say, if you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to find out what it's there for, okay? Therefore, Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. Okay? Some of us don't even do this knowingly. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't do it like intentionally. But here, that's why James is writing what he's writing. And he goes on to say, Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? but he gives us more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God in this way, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn, or fast, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. I want to insert a note here for you just so that you're aware of some things that may happen while you're on your fast. You may have started off your fast desiring breakthrough, but all of a sudden you find that you're very ir irritable and you start to find out all these certain things about yourself that kind of flare up. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. But as you begin to humble yourself, attention begins to come to the things that separate us from the Lord. Does that make sense? You start to notice, man, my attitude actually kind of sucks. Like, I really need to learn how to talk to my wife better. You know, when you're not eating and you're not distracted, there's a sensibility or just a sensitivity that comes to us, right? So when this happens, this is why James is saying, be, be wretched and mourn and weep. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And when we begin to humble ourselves in this way, what does God do? The Lord will begin to exalt you. Or in other words, as Peter says, God gives grace. You find the grace of God because in that place of humbling, what do we do? We repent. We turn from our ways. We're purified. And what do you find? The grace of God. The divine influence upon your life. Not just the idea of God's goodwill towards you, but you begin to move and flow in the power of the Spirit. You begin to understand what it means to walk with Jesus in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So this is what James is saying. If you really want fellowship with God, a few things have to go, but the heart of it is not eliminating things. Because how many of you have been there where you eliminate things, but you don't draw near to Jesus? You end up frustrated because you can't enjoy the world and you can't enjoy Jesus. But how many of you know that Jesus is sweeter than anything the world could have to offer? Right? And it may not happen on day one or on your first fast, but if you persevere, I promise you, you will find that there is no sweeter name. And that won't just be a song. That will be a reality. Through the love of God as he does that in and through you. So, I'm just going to touch on one last thing just before we shut it down. There's a lot more, like I said, that I love to share. I know that we're pressed for time, but turn to Daniel really quickly. And while you're there, just put a finger and also turn to Joel 2. Daniel will be reading 9 and will be reading 1 through 6. But then also turn to Joel 2. If you don't know where Joel is, ask Ryan. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we're in Daniel 9. And then we're also in Joel chapter 2. How many of you know who Daniel is? Yeah, a lot of people know who Daniel is. They know about the, the fast and all of that. But would you be surprised if I told you that Daniel didn't even know what the Daniel fast was? We know what the Daniel fast is because we made something out of it. I promise you there's so many people who spend 21 days trying to figure out how to eat vegetables in a cool way and do all these different things. That was not Daniel's aim. It was not. He never called his fast a Daniel fast. And furthermore, how many of you know that Daniel didn't plan to fast for 21 days? Daniel was just praying and waiting till God answered. God just so happened to answer on the 21st day. Are you willing to keep praying if God doesn't show up in 21 days? Right? Because we have these preconceived things in our minds to say, well, if I do what Daniel did, I'll get what Daniel got. I'm waiting for an angel to come tell me uh, about Vancouver, about our city, about my life. Takes time. There's perseverance involved. And I'm just saying that I hope I didn't blow it. Well, I actually don't care if I did. But the whole point is I'm trying to let you know that Daniel didn't know about these things. Daniel was beloved and we'll read about that, not because of his diet, but because he was available to God. Daniel, God spoke to Daniel because there was a man in Babylon with his friends who made themselves available to God. And I'm here to tell you, if you make yourself available to God, God will begin to share his counsel, his heart with you. Let's look at Daniel. In verse 1, it says, in the first year, Daniel 9, of Darius, the son of Ryan, you pronounce that name, by descent of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. 
Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with, what's the word there? Fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So to simplify what's going on here, Daniel was reading his Bible. He was in the word of God and something came alive. Something got stirred that made him turn his face toward God to look and seek for understanding. Remember we talked about it last week about the digging. You know, you come and hear, you come, then you hear, then you practice, and we're talking about digging. Oftentimes as you read God's word, God puts you on this little kind of rabbit trail but he's leading you somewhere. This is what happened to Daniel. Daniel constantly studied the books, right? Daniel gave himself to the will and purposes of God. And it says there's something that came up that he didn't understand. Therefore, he turned his face to the Lord with prayer and fasting. He basically realized that they were in exile because people's hearts had turned away from God. They had disconnected from God. And the only thing that manifested when we're disconnected from God is disobedience right? Just a little note on that. How many of you guys know that you don't have to try to be disobedient when you're disconnected from God, right? Did you catch what I said there, right? A lot of us think it's intentional, like I'm disobedient today, but when you're disconnected, you're disobedient by default. The children of Israel, an example, they denied intimacy with Jesus. Remember, Moses told them, God wants to be connected with you. He wants intimacy. And what did they say? Moses, you talk to God, We're going to hang out here because to them, here's a nugget. He appeared as a fire, right? So they were afraid. But to Moses, he appeared as a cloud. Did you catch that, right? Some of us's view of God is, oh, God's there, fire. We can't understand or fathom intimacy. Moses sees the same thing, but he sees a cloud. He goes in and the children of Israel go the other way. And the rest of the story is done. You guys know what happened. Disconnection from God just by default produces unbelief, doubt, fear, failure. And that's why we're saying fasting is a turning back to God, a humbling of oneself. And as we're about to read here in Daniel, Daniel was praying because they were in exile, because they were disconnected from God. And it caused a lot of sinful things to happen in their lives. They did a lot of sinful things. One of them was they used to sacrifice their children to a God called Moloch. That's how bad it had become because they were disconnected to God. But Daniel here is praying and he says this, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong, and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, in all the lands to which you have driven them, because of the treachery that they have committed against you, right? That all stemmed from disconnection from God, right? And I'm not going to keep reading this for the sake of time, but I'm going to paraphrase it. The Bible says, as Daniel was confessing and becoming right with God personally, even though he was a holy man, he took upon the whole nation. He He was praying for everybody. 
An angel came to him in swift flight to say, Oh, Daniel, you're greatly beloved because the things that matter to you are the things that matter to God. That's ultimately what the passage is saying. Daniel was greatly beloved because the things of God matter to him. Does that make sense? And that's ultimately what that passage says. In Joel 2, we're not going to read it. The basic gist of it is that as a nation, Israel was being called to a solemn assembly, a fast, on a national level, right? And this was God's charge to them. He was saying, you guys really know how to play church well, right? This is what he was in essence saying. You do the feasts, you do all those things. But he was saying, I want you to draw near and not rend your garments, but rend your hearts. I want your heart. Remember we talked about koinonia. I want your life. I've given all to you. Will you give all back to me? And he was saying, I don't want you just kind of going through the motions. God wants your life. God wants our surrender. He has, he's a loving, he, he wants to rule over us in love. He's a father, even as we mentioned from last week. And if there's anything I want you to get from today, is not, okay, bro, should I do this kind of water fast or that? But that you would set your heart to connect with God and disconnect from the things that hinder that connection with God. Not just for 21 days, but how many of you know that this is our identity? It's your calling. It's who we are. There's grace for it. It's not you have to try harder. As you draw near to him and humble yourself, you will find the grace of God to help you and to walk with you. So it's not a 21-day thing. It's a lifestyle thing. You have to be in it for that. I want to walk with God. I want to get closer to him day by day and year by year, moment by moment. So I'm going to land it there. And I just want to see if there's anything here that I'm missing. I mean, there's a lot here. But I just want to encourage you guys that through fasting, that's a quick way and a great way to have our hearts begin to synchronize with God because we remove all the distractions away and all that's left is me and God. It's a beautiful place to be. It can be a bit scary sometimes because we're used to you know the other things, but don't see him as a pillar of fire and be terrified, but enter the cloud. Enter the cloud, right? Because God has goodwill toward us in and through Jesus. So let's keep following Jesus. And as you fast, remember the practicals, remember all of that. But more than anything, remember, do it between you and God. Don't try to be impressive to others. And I'm not saying like if people are asking you, it's like, bro, are you fasting? It's like, nope. You know, trying to hide it that way. That's not what I'm talking about. If you live with your wife and you're fasting, she knows you don't have to hide it from her. You know, you don't have to hide it from each other. You're fasting together. But what I'm saying is don't flaunt. Don't make it about that. Make it about connection because that's what it's about. Make it about disconnecting from the things that God doesn't want in our lives, not just for now, but for the rest of our days because that is your identity. God has set us apart to be a people, holy, blameless, that do what? Reflect him perfectly that's where we're going guys we're, we're we're supposed to look more and more like jesus and fasting is a great way to be connected to him and disconnect to other things and i'd encourage you make it a part of your life don't just do it now ask the lord lord how can i posture my heart to seek you secretly in my own heart in my own life continually and you will find the lord as you persevere and as you keep moving forward amen
Let's just pray really quickly. Just bow your heads right there. I'm just going to quickly pray and invite Ryan up as well, just over the word. Lord, I just pray for the entrance of your word, that hearts, oh God, would respond to this and that the word of God would be mixed with faith and not unbelief. Let this produce connection and not disconnection. Lord, when you begin to bring up things that you want us to remove so that we could enjoy more of you and you could enjoy more of us, may you meet that with a yes and may we meet that with a yes. Full abandonment. Lord, I just pray for grace to be poured out as your people humble themselves and just come to just face reality of where our hearts are as things are exposed. And like Daniel, may we get down on our knees and ask for help and grace. And may we find that indeed. So I just pray a blessing over this house, over each and every person. Help them keep going and help them not to give up. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Church Untitled podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on our latest messages. For more about what's happening in our community, follow us on social media or visit us at churchuntitled.com.